Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Okay, let's try that again. Are you doing well? All right. (laughs) Want to welcome everybody here in the room, everybody watching online as well. You know, I've had a a rough couple of weeks uh, in ministry. You know, my wife's nephew got married and we had to do a destination wedding in Cabo, Mexico of all places. So, yeah, I know, man. I, I read about the sufferings of Christ and sharing in those and... It was just so tough. Uh, so rough. I mean, you guys can pray for me. No, it, it, it's good to be back. I actually got to do the wedding in my bare feet, which is the way you should do all ministry. Amen. Right? I think I should kick my shoes off here, but I'll spare you that. All right? In the sand, it was awesome. Did make it back last week in time to see the 11 o'clock service. And didn't Troy, our youth pastor, do an awesome job bringing God's word? Yeah, I don't know if he's in here right now, but... If you haven't had a chance to thank you, man, we are so excited. Here at Hill Country Bible Church, I said this last year when we talked about ordination and ordaining these three young guys, we're all about building into the next generation of Christian leaders. And I'm excited about what the future holds and our opportunity and our ability to reach people for Jesus in the future. So that's great. Okay, as we get started, I want you to check this out. The engines were at full power and the aircraft climbed up to about 100, 110 feet off the ground and then we weren't climbing anymore. Very quickly knew that I was likely going to die. I was looking down at a airplane that had crashed. Right then, it hit me. I'm not my body. There's my body, but here's me. I've always been fascinated with these near-death experiences, and by near-death, I don't mean like they almost got hit by a car. I mean like dead, dead. No heartbeat, in some cases, no brain waves, and I'm talking 30 minutes, 90 minutes. At first, I was very skeptical of these, but I'll tell you, after studying over a 1,000 of these near-death experiences, it's changed my mind. The colors were beyond anything we could ever experience here. I was seeing a lot of colors that I didn't have prior experience in knowing about. 3,000 shades of red, and I can see them all. Blind people, when they have a near-death experience, see, they come back saying the same things. How do you put that together? a sense of peace that came down right beside me. An energy that was pure love. Much more real than I feel at this moment or any other time in my life. Scientists postulate there must be at least five dimensions to make sense of some of the things science is discovering. Is it so crazy to think about what comes after this life? So the biggest question, I think, for every human being on this planet is the same. What happens to us when we die? Uh, Is this it? Is death the end? Or is there something after? 
Is there a heaven? And if so, what is heaven like? You know, I would submit to you that we live in a culture that is fascinated by the supernatural. I mean, you just go online and go to Amazon or walk into a local bookstore, you will see all kinds of self-help books on how to tap into spiritual power for your life, for your marriage, for your business, whatever. But what's interesting to me is the fact that people are also somewhat in denial about death. I mean, let's face it, nobody wants to talk about death. But as best as I can tell, the human mortality rate is still sitting at 100%, right? <laughs> Meaning we're all going to die. So we need to be talking about this. Now, back when COVID first began, remember COVID? Remember all that way back then? April of 2020. I know many of you, you may not have been a part of the church. Others of you, you may not have been tuned in. We weren't meeting live. We were just getting our video stuff together. So a lot of you probably missed this, maybe a majority of you. But we did this series based on a New York Times bestseller, Imagine Heaven. It's a fascinating book by a pastor, John Burke. And it's all about people who have had these near-death experiences. And since that time, it made such an impact on the people of our church. I have had many, many, many members of our church saying, Brian, we need to come back. To, we need to revisit this. Would you do that? And so we're going to do this over the next couple of weeks. And the timing, I don't think, could be any better because we just finished this whole series about pursuing eternal rewards. Now, if you were a part of that original series, this is going to be a little bit different. Okay, it's going to be a more condensed version. And I'm also going to add some new information because I've had the opportunity to meet two of the individuals that you just saw on the video there. And so I'll be chiming in and add some additional stuff. But here's what's so strange, okay. We are hearing about more and more of these cases of people who have been pronounced clinically dead. Okay, meaning no brain activity, heartbeat has stopped. Some for 15 minutes, some for 30 minutes, some for 90 minutes or more. And they're being resuscitated because of the medical technology we have today. And they're coming back and they're talking about their experiences. And we call these now near-death experiences or NDEs. And I want to show you what one of these looks like. Just check this out. Dr. Mary Neal is an orthopedic surgeon who shares her medical practice and her love for outdoor adventure with her husband, Bill. In 1999, they planned an adventure that took Mary on a spiritual journey few have taken and returned to talk about. My husband and I really enjoy kayaking. We enjoy traveling. We speak Spanish. We've traveled internationally a number of times. And so for my husband's birthday, I said, okay, this is the year we're, we're going to do it. So we went to Chile for a vacation to kayak. After a week of kayaking, Bill sat out the final day with a sore back. Mary and the rest of their group kayaked through a treacherous stretch of the river. These are drops of 10 to 15 feet, 20 feet maybe, which for an experienced kayaker is not a crazy thing. I went over the main drop and as I crested over the drop, I could see the tremendous turbulence and tremendous volume. And as I hit the bottom of the drop, the front end of my boat became pinned. I and my boat were immediately and completely submerged. I was absolutely pressed to the front deck of the boat. And I couldn't move my arms even back far enough to reach my spray skirt, let alone push myself out. I very sincerely asked that God's will be done. And I meant it. After several minutes of searching, the group leaders realized Mary was trapped under the falls. They came out on the rocks and they kept trying to get to the boat, but the 
force and the volume of the water was such that they just kept being flushed through. I mean, they just couldn't get to me. At one point, they sort of recognized that it was really turning into body recovery, uh, not so much of a rescue. I know I've been underwater too long to be alive, yet I feel more alive than I've ever felt. And this is more real than anything I've ever experienced. So thousands and thousands of people all across the globe are reporting these near-death experiences. Okay, and what they describe is they, they should be dead, but they actually feel more alive than they've ever felt before. They describe not just having five senses as we would have, but having 50 senses or more. Now, Dr. Mary Neal, an orthopedic surgeon, she was dead for 30 minutes. Okay, think about this. She was actually submerged underwater for 15 minutes. And I want you to imagine one minute without breath, three minutes without breath, 10 minutes without breath. And she said she was released from her body and actually hovered over it for a while, watching the rescue efforts. And eventually they got her to the shore and spent 15 minutes working on her, resuscitating her until she entered back into her body. And she said that during that time she traveled outside of this existence and experienced some amazing, unbelievable things that are common to people who have had these near-death experiences. Now, the question you should be asking about now, especially if you're new to this, is skeptical? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you better believe it. I mean, I'm skeptical whenever I hear a story like this. I'm going, what? Like, seriously, where is this coming from? And when you ask that question, there are two things you should wrestle with. The first question is this, are these near-death experiences credible? Like, is there any evidence to back this up to suggest that what they're experiencing is real? And the second question that's pertinent for every one of us here in this room who's a Christian is this, is this biblical? Is there any evidence in this book right here to suggest that this could be real? And so that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks in this series. First, we're going to look at some of the compelling evidence that supports the validity of near-death experiences, medically, scientifically, logically. And then we're actually going to do a deep dive into particular case studies and how they line up with the Bible. And today I'm introducing the topic, so I've only got one scripture on your outline, but next week we're actually going to be covering 17 different biblical passages. So this would be a thoroughly biblical study. I want you to compare everything. You should be a little skeptical. and compare everything back to the scriptures. And then finally, I'm going to point you to some resources, rather, so you can research this further and study more and read more about it. So our first question is this. Are these near-death experiences credible? Like, is there any evidence to suggest that what's going on is real? A couple of things I want to point out, and then we're going to turn to some medical discussion. The first thing I want you to know is that this is actually a global phenomenon. And massive numbers of people all around the world are reporting having these near-death experiences. In fact, according to the Gallup organization and their polling, they say that 13 million Americans have had a near-death experience. Okay, that translates to one out of every 25 people living in the United States. And I know that number sounds unbelievably high. How many of you say, yeah, that sounds really high? Raise your hand up high. Yeah, it did to me for sure. But I'll tell you this, years ago after I preached on this, I had at least a dozen people from our church, from Hill Country Bible Church Georgetown, come to me and say, oh, my word, Brian, I've had one of these experiences. 
like where I was dead, and then I was medically resuscitated. Somehow I came back into my body, and a whole bunch of them said, I've never told anyone, ever, because I just knew people would think I'm off my rocker. People would think I'm crazy. But the fact that I preached on it gave them the courage, the boldness to come forward. Now, the second thing I want you to know is that many of these people who are sharing these reports, they have nothing to gain by coming up with some fanciful story. And when you think about like Dr. Mary Neal, a spine surgeon, or bank presidents, or tenured college professors, airline pilots, right? Coming out with a story like this, people are going to think that you've lost it. So there's like no benefit to it. They didn't need the money. They're certainly not going to enhance their life in any way. So you have to ask the question, why? Why would they come forward with this? And by the way, just as a little aside, and this is totally cool. This is a God thing, okay? But the lady you just saw there, Dr. Mary Neal, she happened to be the surgeon who operated on one of our church members. Stan Jensen, you may know him. Okay, the Jensen's had a home here and up in Wyoming. That's where she practiced. So she actually did his back surgery. And a couple years ago, after this series, I preached through this series and this information, I went up, I traveled up there and got a chance to visit with her. He set up a dinner where I could converse with her, and it was amazing. We spent hours and hours in conversation. As you can imagine, I peppered her with questions, right? Doom, 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 doom. Like, what about this? What about this? I'm super skeptical by nature. But it was fascinating as all get out. One of the most compelling conversations I have ever, ever had in my life. And I can tell you this, having spent 35 years in pastoral ministry, I've developed this ability to sniff out authenticity versus scubula in people, okay? And I can promise you, she's the real deal. And by the way, if you don't know what scubula is, scubula is the Greek word for manure, all right? <laughs> Paul uses it in the New Testament, so I'm safe. I'm good. <laughs> Folks, this is, these near-death experiences, this is a global phenomenon. We're seeing this reported all over the world. So let me focus in for a little bit here on some of the scientific evidence because it's very, very profound. Cardiologist Dr. Michael Sabum said this, I didn't believe there was such a thing as a near-death experience until Pete told me he had left his body during his first cardiac arrest and watched the resuscitation. So somehow he's present in the room watching the doctors work there. Sabum says, these people like Pete Morton saw details of their resuscitation that they could not otherwise have seen. Pete described the resuscitation with such detail and accuracy that I could have later used the tape to teach physicians how to do a heart procedure. Wow. One patient noticed the physician who failed to wear scuffs over his white shoes during open heart surgery. Said, in many cases, I was able to confirm the patient's testimony with medical records and with hospital staff. Now, just so you know, Dr. Sabum, he studied these near-death experiences for five years in an attempt to prove that there had to be some other scientific explanation other than what these people were saying they were experiencing. Five years he researched this, and at the end of it, he simply couldn't do that. And so he compiled his report and got it published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, one of the most prestigious medical journals in the U.S. Well, after that, a radiation oncologist, his name is Dr. Jeff Long, picked up that article by Dr. Michael Sabum, and he said, ah, scubula, okay? Actually, he used the real word, but <laughs> he said, bunk, there is no way. 
And then out of curiosity, he said, well, I'm going to just start talking with some of my patients. I'm going to interview some of my patients. And lo and behold, a few of them started coming up with these stories. And so Dr. Jeff Long sets out to disprove near-death experiences. He and his daughter actually studied over 4,500 documented cases of near-death experiences. And now today, Dr. Jeff Long, I'll tell you, is not only a believer in near-death experiences, he's a believer in Jesus Christ because of what he researched, because of what he learned. He's published two books. One of them became a New York Times bestseller. He's one of the foremost experts in this field. He travels the world speaking on this subject. Now, just so you know, right at about 20 different ideas have been postulated as to what could be happening besides these people leaving their bodies and getting a glimpse into the afterlife. And all 20 of those postulated ideas have been thoroughly researched and debunked. Like, there's no way. 900 articles, over 900, in scholarly and scientific journals have been published. 55 research teams have done extensive research on this. Massive numbers of people are studying these near-death experiences and coming to the same conclusions. And so Dr. Long writes this. He says, with a flat EEG, that means there's no recorded brain activity, there is no chance that the electrical activity in the lower parts of the brain could account for the highly lucid and orderly experiences described by near-death experience. Lucidity, coupled with the predictable order of elements, established that ND ears are not dreaming, nor could they be hallucinating, nor are they due to any other cause of impaired brain functioning. In other words, what he's saying is this, as the brain shuts down, we would expect a diminishment in people meaning they would see less, they would understand less, as the brain really isn't functioning anymore. But instead, what these people describe is so lucid and so specific and so detailed, and they remember it. Okay, they're actually experiencing something that the average human being cannot. I mean, most of the time, often we struggle to remember the name of someone we just met like an hour afterwards. Can I hear an amen? Right? Like that's our normal brain. These people are experiencing something so hyped up, it actually goes beyond our ability to explain it. So let me make three quick observations here. First, people are describing things that are happening in their surroundings while they've been pronounced clinically dead. Okay? They describe coming out of their bodies. They describe in detail what's happened while some procedure is going on. Like doctors are operating on them. Like how is that possible when there's absolutely nothing? You can see it on the machines. There's nothing going on brain-wise. The second thing that you want to note is that people all over the world are describing the same kinds of things. They leave their surroundings. They enter into a spiritual realm that is amazingly similar. Okay, these are things like this. Separation from their physical body. Heightened senses. Passing through a tunnel finding the presence of a brilliant light at the end of the tunnel that's actually a person that most of them described as light, love, and God. Okay, this is common all over the world. Brilliant light, meeting others, family members and friends who have died and gone on before them. A life review where everything in your life from beginning to end is reviewed by the person of light. And finally, a return to the body. And those are just a few of the things that are common. Now, they're not all in every one of the experiences, but they are common in people across the globe. And here's the third one. Blind people who've had near-death experiences 
actually describe the same visual aspects as those who have their sight. Listen to this. People who were born blind and had never seen a tree or grass are giving the exact same descriptions of what the grass and trees in this realm in heaven look like. Same as the other people who've been seeing all their lives. In one case, Vicki, blind from birth, left her body after a car accident where she was pronounced dead. Then she had her life reviewed, sitting with this person of love and light. He went through everything she ever did in her lifetime. And during this interview, two of her childhood playmates were part of her life review. And when she returned, she described their physical characteristics precisely. She had never, ever seen them in real life, yet she was able to describe them in vivid detail. And so you've got to ask yourself the question, is it possible that there is something to this? That this phenomena could actually be giving us a glimpse into the life to come. And people, there's so much evidence out there that you have to wrestle with. Now, some of you, if you've been around for a while, and I know some of you have been around for a while, okay? Yeah, I said that at Sun City, and yeah, anyhow. <laughs> if you've been around for a while, <clears throat> like myself, anyhow, you may remember when these near-death experiences first started coming out and were being reported. You know, in the beginning, there were only a few of them, and people were misconstruing them in all kinds of crazy, wacky ways. You may recall a movement that swept across our country during the psychedelic days of drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Well, part of that movement was an attachment to Eastern mysticism, called itself the New Age Movement. Well, the leaders of this New Age Movement, they loved this. They immediately latched on to these near-death experiences. And they said, see, this proves reincarnation. This proves we all go into the light. This proves we all go into the Brahman. And so a lot of churches backed away from these, got scared, preached against it. You may have grown up in a church that preached against this, okay? But between that time and now, there's been so much more medical and scientific data. There have actually been so many reports, and people have taken the time to really investigate the detailed descriptions of these near-death experiences and parallel them with this book right here. One of those individuals is a man by the name of John Burke. Okay, he's the author of Imagine Heaven. And just so you know John's story, John was an agnostic. He was in college, and his father was dying. And while he sat at his father's bedside, it just so happened that one of the very first books ever written on near-death experiences was at a table right there. And so he picked it up. He actually read it in one sitting while he was watching his dad pass away. And he said, you know, what is death all about anyway? And by the time he got through with this book, he thought, wow, you know, maybe there is some evidence of a life after this life. So the next year, John joins a Bible study. It's the first time in his life he's ever been interested in spiritual or religious things. And eventually, the truth of God's word convicts him. He became a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, after that, John quit his engineering company, became a pastor, moved to Austin, Texas, and planted a church. And he continued to study this whole topic of near-death experiences and the Bible. And eventually, he writes this book, Imagine Heaven, which becomes a New York Times bestseller. And in this book, what he does is he walks through over a thousand descriptions of people who have had near-death experiences, and he parallels them with what the Bible has to say. And folks, it's simply unbelievable. It's fascinating when you dig into it. And we're going to talk about that throughout this series. 
But here's what I want to ask you. Is it possible, like just keep an open mind, is it possible that what the Bible describes as an afterlife, that people are experiencing a taste of that and coming back to tell us about it? That in a culture that we live in where most people want to pretend there is nothing after this life, that God is showing us absolutely there is. And we need to pay attention to it and let it challenge our thinking and move us forward. And so John Burke, he writes this book, and people are fascinated by what's in that particular book. And when I first was reading the words and, and as I was just reading what he had to say, my mind started to get blown not only because of how credible the medical, scientific, logical evidence was, but more than that, how it corresponded with what I knew to be true in God's word, how it lined up with passages of Scripture and actually shined some light on passages of Scripture. Which leads us to our second big question, is this biblical? Does what these people are saying, does it line up with what the Bible has to say? Now, again, because of time today, I'm only going to give you a little bit this morning. But I do want to say up front that when I first started studying this, and maybe you're out there and I get that, I hope you are a little bit skeptical because I was very skeptical of all this. I'm like, what, really? But when you parallel that, when you look at the parallels between these near-death experiences and what the Bible says, it, it really is compelling the more you study it. And so as we move forward, let me give you three disclaimers this morning. First of all, I want to tell you that I believe the Bible alone is fully trustworthy. Amen? <laughs> Amen. The Bible alone is fully trustworthy. I believe that the God who lives in heaven, who created heaven, who sent his son Jesus from heaven to describe heaven to us, that's more accurate than anybody's personal experience. So whatever the Bible says, that's our absolute trustworthy ultimate authority. Second, when people have an experience, they're going to interpret it through their own understanding. And so I would submit to you that you should be at least a little bit questioning, at least a little bit skeptical about this. Because people are describing it from their own background, their own unique understanding and perspective. Okay? You know, at the scene of an automobile accident, oftentimes people give varying reports of the exact same accident. Right? That, that's why so many of you out here, you're frustrated with instant replay, right? Yeah, because you got like five or six referees on the field, and they got to stop the game every few minutes because nobody can agree on what they actually saw, right? So when people, they're explaining these experiences, they're trying to detail them out, they've got to do it from their own words, their own perspective. So, of course, there are going to be some differences there, and you need to always go back and compare it to God's word. Here's the third thing I'd say by way of a disclaimer. According to the descriptions of people who've had these near-death experiences, a majority of them report that they got close, meaning they had some kind of a connection to the afterlife where they moved in and felt and experienced some things. But they also knew there was a barrier that they couldn't cross and could sense the state they were in was not final, that they had some kind of an option to return. So rather than being in the room, many felt like they were looking through the window into something that is way more significant than what they were experiencing. So if someone were to be resuscitated at any point along the way in their experience, you would expect them to come back and describe it a little bit differently. However, when you start looking at thousands and thousands of these near-death experiences, you see common threads that parallel what's in the Bible. 
In fact, when we ask the question, is this biblical, I would suggest to you that the Apostle Paul, he describes something that sounds just like a near-death experience. Listen to 1 Corinthians, actually 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul says this. Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Now, the first thing that's interesting to me here is that Paul doesn't name himself. Okay, we find out later in the chapter that he's actually talking about himself, but he doesn't even say his own name here. Like, it seems so weird to him that he doesn't identify himself as this individual who was somehow caught up into the third heaven. He later says, I was caught up into paradise. So he's not talking about the atmosphere. That's heaven number one. He's not talking about the galaxy of stars, heaven number two. No, he's talking about heaven number three, the third heaven, being in the presence of God. And listen to how Paul says it. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. You see Paul struggling like, I don't know. <laughs> Am I in the body? Am I out of the body? Lots and lots of NDEers say that kind of thing. Well, there's my body, but, but here's me. Like, I don't know. My consciousness is here, but I can see my body. It sounds just like what Paul is describing. And Paul says, I heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. Inexpressible things. You know, if you read the book of Revelation, the apostle John is in the presence of heaven. And he's writing things down. He's trying to describe in human words what he's seeing there. And it gets so difficult. Because how do you describe a being that's outside of our dimension in human words? And so John, he also talks about things that man is not permitted to tell. And you look at this book here, the prophet Daniel, the prophet Ezekiel, the apostle John. They all had times where they were told, don't write that. Don't put that down. And so it appears, and we're going to talk more about this next week, that Paul had one of these experiences like we're talking about. All right, as we wrap this up, let me ask this question. Why, 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 why is this so important? A couple of reasons. First of all, I want you to think about and focus more on heaven. And it's actually, I thought, the perfect follow-up to our series about pursuing rewards and looking toward the future. Because looking ahead to the future in heaven gives us a motivation to live for God today. Second, I believe it's a compelling way to interact with people who do not know Jesus. Because most people, even if they don't want anything to do with the Bible, they are interested in spiritual things. They're curious about whether there's a life after this life. So here's my challenge for you. I want to challenge you to pick up a copy of one of these two books. Imagine Heaven is the longer one. What's After Life is the shorter version. Pick it up, read it, and then pass it along to a curious friend. Because everybody knows someone where somewhere along the line you tried to have a conversation with them about Jesus and they're like, yeah, 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 I don't want to talk to you about this religious stuff. But this topic is fascinating for all people. So maybe they read it and then maybe you can talk about it. Now in the coming weeks, I want you guys to prepare yourself because you're going to see some awe-inspiring video testimonies, okay, from different people. And then we're going to do a deep dive. We're going to look extensively about how these near-death experiences line up with the Bible. And I can guarantee you, it's going to challenge the way you look at certain passages of Scripture. 
And again, it's healthy to be skeptical, to look at this, but we need to go back to the Bible and compare it. And I think you're going to be blown away by that. It challenged me personally. All right, let's wrap this up in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you so much because I believe that in this day and age, God, where people need hope more than ever before, you are giving us these testimonies as just life-giving, as a means of encouragement to us. And God, I believe that there's constantly, there's a spiritual realm that surrounds us at all times. And so help us as we approach this topic, Lord, to have an open mind, to always go back to your word, to explore things in light of your truths. And I know as we open up the Bible and in the coming weeks, we look at passages of scripture that describe who you are and what heaven is like. God, I know, because it happened for me, I realized that so much of what you've written is literal. It's not an allegory. It's not a metaphor. It's not simply some kind of imagery, but it's real. And what we're going to experience there is going to blow us away. So, God, I thank you for this opportunity to study your word together, to think about heaven in light of these near-death experiences. And I pray that you would help us all, by the time it's done, to be more motivated, more excited than ever about living for you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.